Uh, I love to play video games. Now, if I get a chance, I don't do it as much uh, as uh, obviously I used to. Maybe some of y'all uh, do, but uh, uh, I used to love playing video games. And the oldest game that I remember ever seeing was a game called Pong. Does anybody remember Pong? Remember that thing? Grandma, I think it came from Aunt Susie's or Grandma and Grandma, uh, Grandpa Shackles or something. But we ended up with it at the house at one point. Pong, if you don't know what it is, it's just a black screen. And it's got like a white uh, square that acts like the ball. And you got two lines on each side. And you try to keep it uh, from getting past there or whatever. That's the oldest one I remember. Uh, but uh, the one that I remember having as a child, the first one I had was the Atari 2600. Anybody have the Atari 2600? All right. Amen. I remember uh, all those games. I had to go back and try to remember some of these, but I had ones like Pitfall and Laser Blaster and Asteroids and Pac-Man uh, and Pole Position. Anybody remember any of those uh, uh, out there? Maybe you had some other ones. I don't know. Amen. But I remember that old game system. And uh, uh, but I remember at some point I graduated to the original Nintendo. That's a dinosaur too, right? Uh, the original Nintendo. We had Super Mario Brothers. Y'all remember that one? Duck Hunt. Oh, man, I love Duck Hunt. Donkey Kong. I mean, that was a good one. Tecmo Bowl. Anybody remember playing Tecmo Bowl? I mean, if you don't remember that one, football game, I mean, who was it? Uh, if you got the Raiders uh, and you got Bo Jackson, you could just about beat anybody. If you've never done that, I mean, it's a, it's a joy. Amen. And the, the last one, talk, Contra. I don't even remember Contra, but I remember me and Dad used to play that and all the time. It was two-player, and you went around with a gun shooting things or whatever. And I still, to this day, I still remember the secret code to get unlimited lives in Contra. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A, select, start. You do that at the, come on. That's worth, that's worth a hand clap, that's right. Do that at the beginning of Contra, and when the thing's coming on, you get unlimited lives. It's a great thing to know, amen? But sometimes, you know, in those old systems, the games just wouldn't work right. Especially with Nintendo, if you remember, you would take that thing out and if you, remember, you would blow in it. You'd try to blow the dust out of it, right? Or you would try to get it in there just right because sometimes it would tilt one way or the other and you had to get it just right or just at the right spot before you pushed it down and maybe that was going to do something. But every once in a while, they, I mean, the things would just glitch out on you, right? In the middle of the game or something would happen, you'd get frozen in this area you couldn't get out of and there was nothing you could do. I mean, on that game system, you had two options on the front of the box. Power off, right? Shut it down. Or reset. Anybody remember the reset button? Amen. You had the reset button. You could say, hey, I want to start this thing over from the beginning. I want to start over from scratch. Something's not going right in this thing. I mean, you could hit the reset button. Even in with our uh, modern electronic devices, as sophisticated as they've become, our phones, but I begin to think about like our laptops or our computers. Every once in a while, I don't know about yours, but every once in a while, amen, mine just likes to go a little bit crazy. <laughs> it likes to do its own thing. It gets frozen up. I mean, I get, amen, too many things, amen, going on. I get too many operations and things running, and it runs out of RAM. It runs out of memory, amen, and it gets clogged down with all these things. Or sometimes, if we're not careful, we can click on something, an email, or we can click on a link somewhere, and it'll download a virus on that machine, and it'll, it'll mess all kind of things up, and there's Amen. There are a few things that you can do, amen, even with that uh, modern computer, amen, that you can do to, and you get in those situations, you can do a couple things. If you go to, if you got Windows, you can log out, you can shut down, or you can restart. 
You can reset it. I mean, we still have those basic same settings, amen, even today. Amen, and when I begin to think about this, amen, we think about, uh, amen, our own lives, amen, we think about, uh, amen, just the way sometimes that life, amen, hits us, amen, sometimes the way that life just comes at us, and amen, we're, we're in a condition, amen, where we feel like our lives are, are overwhelming. We have no white space on our calendars anymore. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? We're so busy. I mean, we're so, I mean, we got so many things going on. We're thinking about so many things. It's like, I mean, the RAM on the computer, I mean, that just gets overwhelmed. I mean, and there it is. Uh, I mean, that little spinning wheel that's turning around. I feel like that spinning wheel is turning around in my head sometimes. Anybody been there? We can download the wrong type of information into our lives by the things we watch by the things we listen to, by the environment we put ourselves in, and we spiritually infect ourselves with viruses of discouragement, depression, anxiety, and fear, and we could go on today. And as a result, our spiritual condition begins to suffer. We'll pull away from God. We'll pull away from the church. We'll pull away from family. We'll pull away from friends. And when we find ourselves in this condition, we got a couple options that we can do. We can log out, we can shut down, or we can reset. People who choose to log out distance themselves from the problem, or at least try to distance themselves from the problems. They just check out. They don't want to admit they've got a problem in their life. They don't want to face their problem. They want to find some way to mask it or justify it. They think if they focus on somebody else's problems, they'll feel better about themselves. They'll still come to church, but they're not engaged. Their prayer life is not what it once was. The Bible study that it once had is, is almost non-existent. There's maybe a few glowing embers of a former spiritual fire, but no flames. There's spiritual hunger. I mean, no spiritual hunger, no desire for the things of God. They had a form of godliness, but there is no substance or no power. They look to everything else in the world to feel the sense of emptiness that is in their soul except the one thing that they need, Jesus. People who shut down completely disconnect from others and from God. They destroy relationships. They become bitter and cynical. They completely lose their joy. They lose their peace. They quit coming to church, or when they are at church, they might as well be 100 miles away because their hearts are far from the church. They're far from God. And they blame everyone else and everything else except the one thing they need to blame themselves. But God has given us another option. Amen, this morning. When we hit those crisis moments in our lives, we don't have to log out. We don't have to shut down. I don't care what we've been through. I don't care how difficult it is or how far we've fallen, amen, into, amen, uh, uh, the darkness, uh, amen, of our present, uh, amen. It seems like the darkness is continuing on into our future, amen, and there is no hope, uh, amen, there. It doesn't seem like you don't have to shut down, uh, amen. You don't have to log out, uh, amen. God is op offering us the opportunity to hit the reset button this morning. And that's what I want to talk to you about. And I want to give you, amen, this message this morning, reset. In John chapter number 21, amen, I want you to pick up reading in verse number one. Praise God. Verse number one. And after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. 
There were together Simon Peter and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They said unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Pause there just for a minute. Peter had reached a crisis moment in his life. You see, Peter had walked on this earth with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for some three and a half years. He saw the miracles that Jesus performed. He listened to the powerful sermons and the, the parables and the teachings and the things that, that Jesus gave and that his disciples marveled at him and said, you know, who is this man that can do these things? He was the one. If you remember Peter, he's the one. We sang the song this morning, Didn't I Walk on the Water for You? It was Peter. <laughs> Amen. That stepped out of the boat that day. If you remember, Jesus comes walking on the water. And it was Peter that cried out and said, "If Jesus, if that's you, bid me come unto you. And Jesus said, come on. And Peter stepped out of the boat and he walked on the water. Amen. And he walked to Jesus. But on the way to Jesus, amen, the doubt and the, uh, the uncertainty began to mount in his heart. And he began to look around and say, amen, there's no way I can be walking on this water right now. And he began to sink. He began to doubt. But Jesus reached down and he grabbed Peter by the hand and he lifted him up out of the water. And the Bible says he and Peter walked back on the water to the boat again and got in the boat. That's the same Peter that later down the road would make one of the greatest confessions of faith in the Bible when he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, That's right, Peter. Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven revealed that to you. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church. The rock, we talked about this several weeks ago, was the foundation of Jesus Christ. The truth of him as Messiah, as the Christ. On that rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And he says, Peter, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's the same Peter that we're talking about here. That sometime later, he would say, though all else fail you, though all else turn away from you, I will never fail you, Jesus. That sometime later, after they'd had the Last Supper, sang a hymn, the Bible says, and they go out to the Mount of Olives there into the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus prays. Be the same, Peter. When Jesus looks at him and says, pray with me one hour. And he couldn't do it. Jesus came back a couple times, three times. He'd come back and made that statement. And the disciples, including Peter, are asleep. It'd be the same Peter as Jesus is arrested that night. He's carried off by the Roman authorities to be flogged and to be beaten and to be spit upon and be ridiculed, that Peter, the Bible said, would follow at a distance. And when a young damsel, a young lady came up to him and said, hey, wait a minute, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? 
the same Peter who said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Upon this rock I'll build my church. It's the same Peter who said, I don't know what you're talking about because I don't even know who this man is. The same Peter who watched his Savior beaten within an inch of his life carry a cross up a hill, die on that cross, and be buried in a tomb. It's the same Peter, he'd reached a crisis moment in his life. He had reached a moment where he said, you know what? I don't don't know what to do anymore. You know, I thought I had it all figured out. I thought I had it all together. We were, me and Jesus, we were a team. Man, these disciples, we were gonna, we were gonna do this thing. We were building God's kingdom on earth, and now, he's gone. Peter said, "I don't know what else to do, but go back to my old life. I'm going back to fishing. That's what I used to do before I met Jesus. I was a fisherman of fish." That's where he found me on the beach that day and called me to follow him. And now I don't know where to go and I don't know what to do and I don't know what's happened in my life because I've failed the one person in my life that I never should have failed, and that's Jesus. Can you imagine where he's at in his life? See, Peter's beginning, he's, done, he's logging out. And he's getting ready to shut down. Because he feels like I'm not worthy to carry on what Jesus has handed us. And I don't even know what to do. I need him with me. I need him beside me. I I, I can't do this alone. So I'm going back to fishing. I'm going back to what I know. But I want you to read on with me. We're going to read several verses here. Pick back up at verse number four. Because Jesus gives Peter... A second chance. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have you any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when, Peter, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his father's coat about him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon then as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. And Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of great fishes, 153. And for all that there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples did ask him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. 
This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. Verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him again, Feed my lambs. Jesus saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Jesus asks Peter this series of three questions. And the first question in verse 15 is this, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me more than these? So the question I ask myself when I read that is, what is the these? What is Jesus referring to here? It's possible perhaps that he's referring to Peter's previous claim that he loved Jesus more than the other disciples. You can find that in Matthew 26, 33. In other words, Jesus was asking, do you love me more than these other disciples love me? It's also possible Jesus was referring to the fish that they were now eating from. Perhaps Jesus was getting at Peter's decision to stop being a fisher of men and going back to being a fisher of fish. So the question Jesus was asking was really getting at the heart of what was most important in Peter's life. And Jesus repeats this question two more times. Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Now, what's interesting in this story is what we can't see in the English language. But you can see in the Greek language that this was originally written in. Because when Jesus speaks these words three times, he says, do you love, lovest thou me or do you love me more than these Jesus uses some different words here for love the one we're probably all familiar with is the word agape amen that's first corinthians chapter 13 kind of love right love that doesn't fail love that keeps no records of wrongs love that is perfect love that's patient love that's kind all those things we know that one Agape love is the highest form of love. It's the kind of love that God showed us. When it says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, is God so agape the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's unselfish, it's pure in its motive. And it's the word that Jesus uses in the first two questions. When he says, lovest thou me, Jesus is saying, Peter, do you agape me? But when Peter responds and he says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Peter doesn't use the word agape. Peter uses the word phileo, which is where we get our word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Agape love is here. Phileo love is brotherly love. It's a lesser form of love. 
So when Je- it's interesting because when Jesus says, Peter, do you agape me? I picture Peter not even being able to look him in the eyes and say, Lord, you know I phileo you. Two times Jesus asks him this question. Do you agape me? And he couldn't look a Savior in the eye and say, yes, Lord, I agape you. Because he knew he had failed. Because he knew he had fallen short. Because he knew deep down in his heart that Jesus knew that his love for him was not as strong as it should be in this moment in his life. So the third time Peter, I'm sorry, the third time that Jesus asked Peter this question, Jesus doesn't say, Peter, do you agape me? Jesus says, Peter, do you phileo me? And Peter says, you know, Lord, that I phileo you because you know all things. It's as if Jesus is saying, Peter, I know your love for me in this moment in your life is not perfect. And it's time for a reset. Because every time Jesus responds with this phrase, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, what is Jesus trying to get Peter to understand? Jesus is trying to get Peter to understand, Peter, don't go back to fishing because that's not what I've called you to do. I called you out of that life. I called you out uh, of that uh, way of, of living and that method of making a living for yourself. I called you out of that. That day that I came to you on the beach, if you remember, the same thing happened that happened in this story. He said, guys, have you caught any fish? And they said, no, we fished all night. We didn't catch anything. If you remember, way back in the beginning of the Gospels, Jesus said, cast your net on the right side of the boat and bring it up. And when they did, the Bible says there was so many fish in that net that it threatened to sink the ship that they were in, the little boat that they were in. They had to bring another boat over to catch all the, she- all, all the fish to bring them to shore. When Jesus did this for Peter, he was reminding him, when I called you three and a half years ago, I called you out of that lifestyle. I called you out of that way of living. I called you out of that for a plan and a purpose in your life. And Peter, it is not time to log out and it is not time to shut down. It's time for you right now. I know your love for me is not perfect. I know in this moment you don't think you can look me in the eye and say that you agape me because you think you failed me and you think you've uh, abandoned me and you think, uh, amen, that I'm just going to cast you away. But he says here, amen, in this moment, Peter, I'm going to hit the reset button button on your life uh, and I'm going to change it uh, for the better. Uh, amen. And I, here's what I want you to do. Forget about the fish. Feed my sheep. I've got a calling on your life and this is not the moment to quit and this is not the moment, amen, to give up. You know what I'm thankful for this morning? I'm thankful that God, that Jesus still offers second chances to broken, messed up sinners just like me. 
I'm thankful, amen, that uh, when I was in moments in my life, amen, where I was, amen, in a place where I was, amen, uh, I couldn't look my Savior now. I couldn't come to an old-fashioned altar and kneel down, amen. I couldn't, uh, amen, raise my hands in church. Uh, I couldn't sing the songs uh, that were being sung, uh, amen, by the, by the worship team in church uh, because I knew that my love for my Savior was not where it should be. I couldn't kneel down in front of him with my head to the ground and say, Jesus, I agape you. Because I was in rebellion. I was in sin. I was running from God. I knew God had a call on my life. I knew God had a plan and purpose for me. And I didn't want it. I knew God had said, son... I've brought you to this moment for a reason and for a purpose. And I rejected it. I can't blame Peter for what he did. Because I did the same thing. When I looked at God in prayer, and I pointed my finger at him and says, I do not want what you have planned for me. It's as if I was saying, I don't even know who this man is. So it's easy to look at Peter and say, man, he really messed up. He really got it wrong. I mean, look at all the opportunities that he had with Jesus and walking with him and being able to touch him and see him and see his resurrected body and all these great, wonderful miracles. It's easy to look at Peter and say, man, you really messed it up. But I got to look back in the mirror at this one. So you know what? I've done the very same thing because I have the full revelation of the Word of God revealed in this written Word and in the living Word of Jesus Christ. I have seen His good works. I have seen His miracles. I have seen cancer healed. I have seen, uh, amen, bodies be raised up, amen, that were broken, uh, amen, and hurting, amen. I've seen uh, God begin to do things and do wonderful miracles. I've seen souls saved that I never thought I would see saved. Uh, I've seen people come off of drugs, and I'm not talking about, uh, amen, so a little bit of pot and a little bit of marijuana. Amen, I'm talking about hard stuff, uh, amen, that they were in a place uh, that there was no hope in their life uh, and I've seen God bring them off of methamphetamines uh, and cocaine uh, and heroin uh, and raise them up uh, to be a different person in their life. And to see that and reject it. So about, I can't do the math that quick in my head. Probably 12 to 14 years ago, in the little town of Baymanette, Jesus walked in the bedroom where I was at alone. I've told you a story, but I'm going to say it again. Separated from my wife, separated from my children, logged out. And about ready to shut down. And you can call it what you want to call it. 
But Jesus walked in that room that day. And he said, son, it's time to hit the reset button on your life. It's not time to log out. It's not time to shut down. I know your love for me right now is not perfect. But my love for you is. And I went to an old rugged cross to die for your sins. And all you've got to do is be willing to hit the reset button on your life. And I'm about to change who you are. And I'm thankful today that I hit that button. Amen. I said up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, select, start. Come on. Everlasting, unlimited life. Better than Contra. Better than Nintendo. Better than the 2600. Amen. Better than anything that this world has ever offered me or that I have ever partaken in in this world. He gave me living water. Amen. That flows from the very throne room of God. And He changed my life. Hallelujah. And God is still changing lives today. Hallelujah. I thank God today, amen, that He is saying this to people, amen, today. It is not uh, the end. Uh, you might feel like it is game over, amen. It's at the end of the rope, uh, and you don't have any hope in your life. But I'm here to tell you, amen, that there is still a reset button uh, in the name of Jesus Christ uh, that can take you back to where He wants you to be in your life. Where there is Jesus, there's a way. You ever heard there's a will, there's a way? I don't know who will is, uh, but uh, I say that where there's Jesus, there's a way. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through him. Come on. Where there is Jesus, there is hope. You see, because Jesus loves you. He wants to lift you back up just like he did Peter that day, amen, as he is sinking down in the waves. And just like he did Peter, amen, the day when he says, I'm going back fishing, I'm logging out, and I'm checking out, and I ain't coming back no more. And Jesus said, yes, you are. Because I've called you to something greater than what you're trying to go back to. He said, you will not log out and you will not shut down. Not on my watch. Jesus said, you're about to hit the reset button. Amen on your life. See, Jesus wants to bring hope and meaning and purpose back into your life. And all you got to be willing to do is hit the reset button. Lay your burdens down at his feet. Give it to him. And he'll do it. It's just that easy. So Jesus is asking you today this question. Do you love me more than these? Now, for Peter, perhaps it was... You know, feeling like he was, his love for Jesus was greater than the other disciples, like he was a super disciple, right? And he was just loving Jesus more than they did. Maybe his these was the fish that he was trying to go back to, the old lifestyle. Let me ask you this morning, what is your these? What are the these in your life? And Jesus is asking every single one of us, do you love me more than these?
And he's not asking you, do you phileo me? He's saying, do you agape me? Is your love for me pure? Is your love for me out of the right motive? I'm not going to ask you if it's perfect because a mind's not perfect. I still make mistakes. But as I said, his love for you is perfect. And that's what really matters. Do you love me more than these? In other words, do you love me more than what is holding you back? Do you love me more than the things of the world? Do you love me enough to come and surrender your life to me? Do you love me enough to hit the reset button on your life? Because this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I can restore what you think you've lost. Come on. David and his army, if you remember the story, they were in a city called Ziklag. Lost everything. Wives, children, possessions, animals, everything. Gone. City. Burned. To the ground. Everybody's depressed. Everybody's worried. Everybody's fearful. Everybody's all messed up. The little circle, too much ram going on in the brain. There's circles going around and around and around. And they get mad at David and they're about ready to get rid of David. So here's David. He's lost it all. He's lost the faith of his men. He's lost everything that he has. But the Bible says he didn't sit down and have a pity party about how bad life was treating him at the moment. I mean, I've done it before. I'll tell you this again. Go ahead, send God an invitation to your pity party. God ain't coming to your pity party. Come on. David didn't sit down and have a pity party and feel sorry for himself. The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. And he said, Lord, what are we going to do about this situation? And the Lord said, you're going to pursue this army that has taken your wives and your children and your possessions and everything that you have. Pursue because you are going to overtake them and you will recover all. And not one hair on one child was hurt. Not one of their wives was lost. Not one animal, amen, was hurt. Not one animal was killed. The Bible says David overtook the enemy and he took back every single thing that the enemy had stolen from him. He recovered all. Jesus is offering that same opportunity for us today in a spiritual sense. We're messed up. We get twisted up. We got the thing going around. I mean, we're, there's things that are pulling us away, and we're, we're trying to log out, and we're trying to shut down, and we're trying to move in a different direction. Jesus is looking at us today, and he's saying this. Do you love me more than these? Because if you love me more than these, hit the reset button. And he says, I'm going to recover every single bit that you think the enemy has stolen from you. The Bible says, the years that the locusts have eaten, I will restore saith the Lord. The, 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 the years that the canker worm has eaten, God says, I will restore to you. Come on, I'm a, I got to stop, I know, but I'm going to keep going just for a second because this, this part's too good. Job lost everything. Children, dead. Wife, 
told him to log out and shut down. Why don't you just end this thing because you're miserable and you're making me miserable. Shut it down. And Joe said, naked I came into this world and naked I'll return, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And in that, the Bible says he never lost his integrity. He never lost that love. When God says, do you love me more than these? Job could say, yes, Lord, I love you more than these. Lost it all. Not only that, has lost his family, lost all of his, his, his land, lost, lost the animals. I mean, everything's just all messed up. His friends come along, if you want to call those friends. Well, if, you, if you'd have been living right, if you'd been praying a little harder what you've been praying, God wouldn't do all this to you. Obviously, you got some sin going on in your life. you got some things happening down there on the inside. You need to get those things washed under the blood of Jesus Christ. You get that done. Amen. God will quit doing all this. Man, there's some good friends, right? Thanks, bud. So not only have I lost everything, but now it's my fault and it's, you know, what am I going to do about it now? Thanks for blaming me. God rebuked him. God had to rebuke Job, but he rebuked those other men as well. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Can you draw out Leviathan with a hook? Amen. Where were you when I set uh, uh, this whole thing in motion? Do you know where the snow comes from? Do you know how the rain falls and how it goes back up again? Can you explain all this? God said, I got this. I got it. He says, here's what I'm going to do. Because you held on to your integrity, because you held on to your faith, he said, Job, I'm going to hit the reset button on your life. I think he had, if I remember the story correctly, he had ten children, seven sons and three daughters, if I got it right. Now, even though Job had to go through what he went through, he lost those original ten children. God didn't bring those original ten children back, but he gave him ten new children. All the possessions that Job had at the beginning, 500 camels and 5,000 of this, whatever, you can read the numbers. In the end, God doubled back to him the blessing that he had at the beginning. And all God is asking us to do, maybe we've lost some things. Maybe we're not where we need to be at with God. Maybe our heart and our love for him is just it's not as pure and it's not as strong as it should be. All Jesus is asking us to do today is hit the reset button. He says, if you'll do that, he said, just watch and see what I'm able to do in your life. What you think you lost is not lost. The years that you think you've wasted, they're not going to be wasted any longer. I'm going to restore back to you, amen, the calling and the plan and the purpose that I have in your life. Stand with me this morning. Praise God.
want you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a second all around the room. Just reverence the Lord and pray in your own heart this morning. Let me ask you a couple questions. Number one, are you logged out? Feeling overwhelmed? Got too many things going on? Just feel like you can't get it all together? Are you allowing those circumstances and those things to steal your spiritual hunger and thirst for the things of God? Are you trying to look for the answer to your problems and everything else and everyone else except the one you should be looking at, Jesus? God forbid, but let me ask this, are you shutting down? Are you allowing those things to cause you to become bitter and angry and cynical and you feel like you're hopeless and feel like you've run out of options and you're blaming everything else and everybody else except for the one you should be blaming. That's yourself. Can I give you the greatest news that you'll ever hear? There's a man called Jesus who died on the cross for your sins. And he has given you the opportunity today to hit the reset button on your life. To overcome whatever it is that you're facing, it could be discouragement, depression, anger, fear, worry, doubt, stress, sin, backsliding, spiritual lukewarmness. It doesn't matter what it is, Jesus has got the answer. But you've got to be willing to receive it from him. He's asking you right now, do you love me? More than these. Do you phileo me? Do you agape me? If that's you this morning. Would you come and let Jesus hit the reset button on your life? Will you allow Jesus to change your heart and your life today? It's just as simple as turning it over to him, saying, Jesus, I've messed up. And God, I can't fix it. And I need you to help me. If you're willing to do that this morning, if you're willing to hit the reset button, he's able this morning. He's able to restore. He's able to reset the things of your life, and he's able amen, to turn everything back around for the good. If you need something from God this morning, would you come? If you need to spend time on the altar, even if it has nothing to do with what we talked about in this message this morning, if you just need to talk to Jesus, would you come to the altar this morning and lay it down at his feet? Whatever it is that you're facing and going through, whatever it is that you know is going on in that mind, maybe it's just the worry and the stress, maybe it's just the, that, that, that spinning circle that's going around in your head right now that you say, God, I just need help with this. Come give it to him. He'll take it. He'll turn it around. He'll restore you back. 
to where you need to be.